This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Two days away from NFL Championship Weekend, 49ers and the Eagles in the NFC, followed by the Bengals and the Chiefs for the AFC Championship. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. He's Randy Scott. I'm Courtney Cronin. And as always, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. So some people are calling it a rivalry, others not so much. You've got Kansas City and the Bengals just trash talk galore this week, Randy, <laughs> whether it's uh, the Burrowhead moniker that has made its way from politics into the NFL world, or whether it's Chris Jones, defensive tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs, saying he doesn't necessarily view this game as a rivalry because it's been so one-sided <laughs> the last couple matchups, Kansas City on the losing end of those games against the Cincinnati Bengals, dating back to last year's Week 17 game, which took place the 2022 calendar year. Cincinnati has a 3-0 advantage on the Kansas City Chiefs, team that they will face this Sunday. But we've heard a lot about this throughout the week. It's been one of the underlying storylines where typically we can put put aside trash talk and realize that it's all gamesmanship <laughs> and things like that. But have you ever seen it to this level before where, where it is one of the main pieces of the fabric going into championship weekend in a specific game? The, the one that jumps to mind for me, and it wasn't even um, overt trash talk, but it was 2011 where it was Patriots and Jets and when uh, I'm trying to think of how to delicately put this, but when Wes Welker and his media availability that week at Foxborough, the Patriots wide receiver, uh, made a lot of puns um, at Jets, <laughs> then Jets head coach Rex Ryan's expense. And knowing Rex the way people do here now and knowing his you know, self-deprecation and sense of humor, and he really doesn't let a whole lot bother him, I think it bothered Bill Belichick more than it bothered Rex Ryan. And Belichick set air quotes example of Wes Welker, you know, and proved, mm-hmm. hey, nobody's above the rules and, um, <laughs> you know, benched him for for the first quarter of a playoff game. And it was a playoff game that the Patriots lost there at, at home to the Jets. So I remember that as bulletin board material. But I think because the Patriots for so many years represented the AFC and for so many years at least got to this stage or, or you know, deep into the postseason, we didn't see a lot of bulletin board material. And I think because so many teams we're trying to emulate what New England did. But now that that New England dynasty is done and over, um, I think we're seeing young blood, young talking, and I don't think there's a there's a mean edge to what we're to what we're hearing. I just think it's confident from both teams who, who quite frankly, deserve to have it, Courtney. Yeah, I mean, two teams that are playing on the second to last weekend of the season, two teams that faced off in this game last year, Kansas City Chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals. And, you know, you go through all of the layers of this. Like, So to recap, this whole thing started in the divisional playoffs when the Kansas City, when the Cincinnati Bengals were playing the Buffalo Bills. And it started when Joe Burrow goes up 14-0. He hits Hayden Hurst in the corner of the end zone. Hayden Hurst, who will be playing on Sunday. We find that out from the uh, Bengals uh, injury report earlier this afternoon. Jonah Williams and Alex Kappa will not be playing two offensive linemen for the Cincinnati Bengals. On the other side of that, really quick, uh, Patrick Mahomes will be playing. We do find out, though, that Travis Kelsey is questionable on the injury report with a back injury. More on that in a minute. But this whole thing starts in Buffalo when Joe Burrow yells, I'm him, walking off the field after his team takes a 14-0 lead. Well, he doesn't really remember saying all of those <laughs> things. He had to be reminded of it, but the NFL film 
Hilton's camera picked up that sound pretty clearly. And then towards the end of the game, Mike Hilton, cornerback for the Cincinnati Bengals, said, we'll see y'all in Burrowhead. He pointed to a camera that caught them behind the bench. They were celebrating, having a really good time. It was a cool environment. Snow's falling down the whole thing. And that kind of took on a life of its own. And so much so that it went beyond the lines of the NFL world into the world of politics. And you've got to think about the Cincinnati Bengals team and what they were before last year's run to the Super Bowl, before they got Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Zach Taylor and all these pieces that created this championship culture. This is finally their time in the spotlight, and they are certainly relishing in it from all angles in the NFL world to the outside world, so much so that Cincinnati Mayor Aftab Puravall had this to say regarding the game that's coming up this this weekend and how he sees it from the Cincinnati side of things. Good afternoon, Cincinnati. I have a proclamation from the desk of the mayor. Be it proclaimed, whereas the Cincinnati Bengals are headed to Burrowhead Stadium for their second consecutive AFC championship game. Whereas at last year's game, the Bengals scored more points than the Chiefs, resulting in a Bengals victory and a Chiefs loss. Whereas Joseph Lee Burrow, who's 3-0 against Mahomes, has been asked by officials to take a paternity test to confirming whether or not he's his father. Whereas all season long, Cincinnati has been on a path of destiny, fighting it out to overcome anyone who stands between them and a Super Bowl win. And whereas Kansas City is named after its neighboring state, which is, you know, just kind of weird. Now, therefore, I, Aftab Kirval, mayor of the city of Cincinnati, do hereby proclaim January 29th, 2023, as they got to play us day in Cincinnati. Thank you. So all of that was great. And I just wonder which intern or which (laughs) staffer slipped that line in. I don't know if the mayor himself was like, oh, I've got a good one here, Randy. I'm going to put in this line (laughs) about Patrick Mahomes being the son of Joe Burrow, that Joe Burrow needs to take a paternity test to prove whether he is indeed Patrick Mahomes' father. And that all boils down to the fact that the Bengals and Joe Burrow have won the last three matchups over this Kansas City team dating back to last season. Now, I think it's all in good fun. I think that both teams have been playing this the right way. Obviously, the mayor declaring this, they have to play us day two days from now in the AFC yeah. championship. That's that's fine. But, you know, when you when you hear from the locker room and you hear from Joe Burrow and the confidence that that team has in Cincinnati, but you also hear from the flip side what Kansas City feels about this whole thing. I know that Patrick, uh, Patrick Mahomes was asked about it. Travis Kelsey on his podcast with his brother Jason Kelsey talked about the slight that they were taking, calling it Burrowhead, even though it's one of the loudest stadiums in the NFL. He expected it, the decibel levels to be off the charts this weekend. I I actually like this because typically, like I was trying to think back to a time where the trash talk got to a point where it actually affected the game. And the only example I could think of of just like the ancillary stuff was the 2016 NBA Finals between the Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Warriors go up 3-1. They end up losing that series in seven. And of course, there was trash talk that ended up like escalating into suspensions because of Draymond Green and the groin swipe on LeBron James in the NBA Finals. Like, But that's taking it to a level where I don't think we're here yet, though, because that 
that boiled out of trash talk into to more stuff that happened on the court. And I feel like this is all being contained in a fun way and, and honestly is going to probably go away once the once the ball's kicked off. Yeah, I uh, I forgot about the uh, the NBA Finals that year. And sometimes you see coaches try to try to use bulletin board material to impact how a game is officiated. You know, Phil Jackson was was so good at that. If you felt like Michael wasn't getting certain calls or he felt like Kobe wasn't getting calls or whatever it was, like he would try to essentially like litigate this this the you know, series through uh, through the media at the time. You don't see it in the NFL as much and. I just I, again, I, I kind of I'm inclined to just blame Patriots because that's what I want to do. But uh, but on the NFC side, you you really don't see don't see much of that. I remember seeing it with you know Shannon Sharp when the Broncos are making their Super Bowl runs. You'd see that at Media Day sometimes, but um, even Media Day has just become such a spectacle where you know people use it as talk show fodder for for late night shows or uh, you know TikTok content or whatever it is. So no, it really does feel. Okay, I guess I guess I, I could answer your question with a question. Does it feel like the beginning of something, or does it feel like a throwback, old school, retro thing that is sort of the past, you know, with a last gasp and kind of clinging to relevance now? And I and I mean that in terms of of trash talk. Like, are we about to have a new wave of this because players know each other so well through seven on seven camps or recruiting classes or whatever it is? So we're going to see that familiarity moving forward or is this just a throwback that maybe we're not inclined to see much of moving forward I think this stems from the fact that Cincinnati for so many years could never get over the hump, the hump being the first round of the playoffs. I mean, we talked with Marvin Lewis, former Cincinnati Bengals head coach here earlier on Canty and Carlin, and that was one of the things he was talking about, kind of the chip that this team has on their shoulder, the the chip that this city has on its shoulder, because for so many years, the Bengals were the butt of many NFL jokes, and now they're at the top of the league playing as one of the final four teams remaining on championship weekend like that's no slouch on them and they're relishing in that moment where they're okay puffing their chest out a little bit Mm -hmm. and enjoying it because what what fun is it to not do that when you have gone through so many years and you've got to think about you know being at the bottom of the nfl you know, Andy Dalton, those years with them, like they just couldn't get past the nine and seven territory of purgatory that they yeah. were in. Uh, and now that they're one of the best teams in the NFL with one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, I'm okay with it because I feel like it's ushering in a new era, this era of the young quarterback, this era of those matchups that we're really looking forward to. I saw a stat from ESPN Stats and Information earlier today just about how young these quarterbacks are, where you've got this is the youngest average age among all four quarterbacks in conference champion the conference championship round all four are 27 years old and younger Patrick Mahomes is the old guy there at 27 years old and that's just crazy to think about because in another era of the NFL that didn't exist where at this stage you have the really established veteran players making it to the final round of, of the of determining NFC and AFC champions and then going into the Super Bowl I like it. To me, it feels like a changing of the guard, and they're doing it with a lot of swagger. And I think that the city of Cincinnati is adopting that mindset too. Yeah, yeah, they have they have reason to be confident. Both teams have reasons to be confident. This isn't some, you know, Fred X, Freddie Mitchell, like you know, one of the fourth wide receivers who has a career game and is kind of popping off a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you recognize it for false bravado. No, these are the two, two of the three best quarterbacks 
in the AFC if you want to throw Josh Allen in there. Maybe two of the best, two of the best four if you put Josh or uh, Justin Herbert in that in that group as well. You know what I mean? So there's a reason why both rosters, both locker rooms, both sidelines should be confident on Sunday. Yeah, two young quarterbacks on the other side of the championship weekend in the NFC between Jalen Hurts and Brock Purdy. We're going to get into that matchup here shortly. Plenty of NFL championship weekend coverage coming your way, but we want to remind you to tune into college basketball action tomorrow as Oklahoma hosts Alabama. Coverage beginning 1.30 p.m. Eastern time on select ESPN radio stations. This will be another defensive game. Hurts keeps fighting for the end zone. What a run. Touchdown, Philadelphia. Philly, they are damn near impossible to defend. They have people everywhere. Like, who are you going to guard? The Niners are clearly the best defense left in this thing. And when you have units that are this good, it comes down to matchups. When you talk about who is just doing the best job of coaching his football team right this minute, who's doing it better than Kyle Shanahan? Eagles 49ers, the number one seed in the NFC, playing host to that team from the Bay Area. That game coming your way 4 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday, kicking off championship weekend. You're listening to Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Randy Scott sitting in for the guys on this Friday afternoon. And I've got to hand it to the Eagles because we have gone through so many different scenarios here with this team and with this quarterback in Jalen Hurts where the I guess the onus was put on him to prove everybody wrong, that he can be the franchise guy and that he can lead this team through the regular season, that he's not just a system quarterback, which we learned when he was out with a shoulder injury. And now he's on the cusp of potentially taking this team back to the Super Bowl for the first time since the 2017 season, the last time the Philadelphia Eagles hosted a playoff game uh, during the championship, during the NFC championship. And I feel like they're playing with house money right now, considering the rest that they had. They did not have to play during wildcard weekend, unlike the San Francisco 49ers, and just the breadth of talent that they have around the quarterback position, whether it's at the offensive line, which is one of the best, if not the best, Randy, in the NFL, the receiver position. They have a great running game. Like All the good things are there for the (laughs) Philadelphia Eagles, including their defense, which I barely even mentioned. But according to Sal Palantonio, who knows this team better than really anybody else, the ESPN NFL reporter, who was on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max this morning, he says Philadelphia's got a little bit of nerves going into this NFC championship. There is a little anxiety going into this game, not because of Jalen Hurts' shoulder, but because the Niners are totally for real. This is the best team that the Eagles will have faced. This is the best defense that they will have faced all year, only giving up 16 points a game. That's best in the National Football League. So you hit the nail right on the head, Max. It's all about Jalen Hurts. Can he sustain himself in a game where the defense is the most ferocious that they have faced all season. Best scoring defense in the NFL in terms of points, 16.3 points per game allowed in total yards, just over 300. And those are stingy numbers. Like the Philadelphia Eagles have a good defense too in that same in those two same categories, but for the 49ers Randy take the cake in that in that uh, both of those respects that I said there and they, you know, just depends kind of what happens here with the Eagles offensive line, how well they can protect Jalen Hurts because I feel like, and we've talked about this, like statistically speaking, you're probably not going to see the designed runs from Jalen Hurts be as effective as they normally are 
against other teams. He's 15-1 and one as a starter this season, including the playoffs, for a reason. But I think that where you can attack that 49ers defense and really find them in vulnerable positions are with the big chunk plays that we have certainly seen from Hertz being able to execute those and string those big 20, 25-plus yard gains together. That's the method to Absolutely. be able to get this team to the Super Bowl. It is. I mean, statistically, that's where San Francisco, and it really is the only area where they're vulnerable. They rank 27th in the National F- Football League in uh, opposing quarterback QBR allowed on pass plays 20 or more yards down the field, and they rank tied for 25th in the NFL on uh, passing touchdowns allowed of, again, 20 or more yards downfield. That's where Jalen Hurts has made a lot of his progress, big steps uh, in this season, uh, an MVP caliber season for the Eagles, but the stats for him, he's third in QBR uh, on pass plays 20 more yards downfield and he leads the league in passing touchdowns 20 or more yards downfield which is sort of supports the receiver element of this where AJ Brown and Devontae Smith are each in the top 10 uh, in the NFL in both those categories that's receiving yards and uh, receiving touchdowns on pass plays 20 or more downfield so Philadelphia if you their first loss of the season Courtney you go back to when the commanders beat them in Philly and they beat them thanks to beating them up on the ground I don't know, especially if Eliza, Elijah Mitchell is is, is banged up, uh, Christian McCaffrey's nicked up. I don't know if the power run game is what San Francisco can offer uh, to to attack Philadelphia to try to shorten the game, limit the number of possessions. So that itself could feed into what Philly does offensively to attack San Francisco's defense. Like there's a there's an easy roadmap to try to put this in almost like election night, par, you know, parlance and say that's how the Eagles get to victory. If you jam up Jalen Hurts though, I truly believe his shoulder is still messed up. The rushing attempts are different, the rushing yardage totals are way down, and that is what helps set up the deep explosive plays down the field. You have to have a rushing element of Jalen Hurts to respect for the opposing defense in order to soften them up for those plays down the field. It's going to be a good one. Eagles and 49ers, 3 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday, followed by Chiefs and Bengals down at Burrowhead Stadium (laughs) in Kansas City. That game starting at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. We've got plenty more coverage coming your way here on Canty and Carlin. We're going to go out to Philly next. Take the pulse of Eagles fans heading into the NFC Championship. But first, Randy has this from FanDuel. Courtney, thank you. The NFL playoffs are heating up, and the easiest way to get into all the action is with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers, join today to get started with $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up with promo code PLAY. That's promo code PLAY. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props, so don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in bonus bets, win or lose, with the promo code PLAY. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. 
and boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured, it was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. The NFC Championship returns to Philadelphia this weekend. First time since 2017. Eagles playing host to the second-seeded 49ers in the NFC. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. He's Randy Scott. I'm Courtney Cronin sitting in for the guys on this Friday afternoon. Let's head out to the city of brotherly love. Join up with John Kincaid from 97.5 The Fanatic. And John, Nick Sirianni was talking about his message to Jalen Hurts last week. Somebody had asked him about it, and he said, you know, it's your second playoff game. Just be you. And he said that that message extended to the fans as well. Just be you. So explain to those who might not know what that actually means for Philly fans, because when I hear that, just be you, and I think about walking into the link in 2017, <laughs> avoiding beer cans, flying in all different directions from the parking lot, um, that makes me think it's going to be quite a raucous environment on Sunday afternoon. Raucous is uh, one word for it, I would say. It's that uh, if you guys remember what it looked like when the Phillies were in the postseason this year, and Philly fans stood from the first inning to the ninth inning. That's what it means. It means bringing the passion, not letting the passion die down, not being like other NFL cities that have to be prompted to when to stand, when to cheer, when to be quiet. We don't need remedial courses here in Philadelphia. (laughs) They know how to bring the energy, bring it from the beginning. The one thing I would point out, though, Courtney, is that if you look at the numbers from around the NFL – The link is one of the, if you're talking bottom half, of places where fans ever have a problem where they need, like, um, police to come or anything like that. So there's a lot worse places to go to see a game than the link. And and I'm more proud of that. It's become a great energy town as far as that. And I think, honestly, the fan base has matured over the years into being a lot better behaved. So, all right, John. So, I, I as for what's what's on the field, there's so many different ways to go. Sure. I look at Jalen Hurts, and I see a guy whose shoulder's still not right. And in the way it's, it's it's showing up to me is not running the same way that he was. The arm looks fine when you touch on passes to Devontae, touch on passes to to Goddard, whomever else. He's getting the ball out, no problem. But he is not the same runner, the same physical runner. And it's probably a you know quarterback protect thyself type of situation can he can he continue to run the way he's not and still beat this San Francisco 49ers defense I think you're going to see him do more but uh, Randy what I'd say to you is is I'm shocked there were six designed runs for him in the first half against the Giants because I think you saw that Giants defense they didn't even need to run him like that it was something that they did and Nick Sirianni and uh, Shane Steichen wanted to do it I think they wanted to do it to put it on tape for the 49ers to know that he was going to run it. I think six design runs for a quarterback and a half is probably amongst the top handful of quarterbacks in the NFL. So I get what you're saying as far as the physicality of the runner. But I promise you this, if there's a third and one, fourth and one, there will be no hesitation that Jalen Hurts will be the guy taking that ball, diving in there, putting it at risk. But they made sure to teach him 
try to see what you can do about laying off of landing on the bad shoulder, doing what you can. He's been fantastic. I mean, he's he's made a what appears to be a complete recovery, and I saw nothing in his throwing motion or anything. Right. So that's really all that concerns me right now. Pretty clean injury report for the Eagles on Friday. T.J. Edwards, Lane Johnson, and Avante Maddox, the only three that were on there that cleaned up considerably from Thursday's injury report. We're talking with John Kincaid, host of the John Kincaid Show on 97.5, the Fanatic in Philadelphia. Our host, Chris Canty, who usually is sitting here in this seat, John, had a proclamation about Jalen Hurts that if he gets to the Super Bowl, I don't know whether it's win or get there to begin with, that he becomes the highest paid quarterback in the NFL this offseason. He's eligible for the extension. Do you see a scenario where that doesn't happen? I do see a scenario where he is not the highest paid quarterback, but I do not see a scenario where he is not signed. This organization loves Jalen Hurts. This city loves Jalen Hurts. His teammates love Jalen Hurts. Jalen came in this year in a prove-it year. It really was. Think of what he had the same opportunity that last year, a year ago, Daniel Jones had. And where Daniel Jones didn't prove it a year ago, this is what Jalen Hurts did this year. He came in, he worked with Tom House in the offseason, worked on his throwing motion, worked on being able to throw off the right foot, uh, not constantly throwing off his back foot. He put in all the work. He put in all the time. I'm, I'm so impressed with what the young man did because he had doubters. And I was one of the people who sat on the fence. I was sitting on the fence and <laughs> wouldn't commit either way to whether I wanted him full-time or not and to be the guy. I am completely convinced now, as are many others. All right, John Kincaid of 97.5, the Fanatic in Philadelphia. Let's get you out on this. We've been asking. We asked a Chiefs uh, voice. We asked a uh, a Bengals voice. What's the one thing that the Eagles have to do, the one thing on Sunday to win? They have to attack the 49ers secondary, which is their vulnerability, early and often, and stay committed to it. They've given up the most plays over 50 yards in the NFL. They've given up the most pass plays over 30 yards in the NFL. They have the best wide receiving core, in my opinion, in the NFL if you throw in running backs, tight end Dallas Goddard and more. I think they need a very aggressive game plan. And what that would do is then soften things up so then they can run the ball. They've got, I think they have the best offensive line of the four teams remaining in the playoffs. So, but I think to be able to run the football effectively on San Francisco, they are going to have to soften them up because there's a lot of respect for the San Francisco 49ers defense, I can tell you, within that building, within that coaching staff, within the team, there's a ton of respect. Yeah, and on the note of that offensive line, it's a great point. One that we don't talk about often enough, leading to the success of Jalen Hurts. They've got Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson. Neither have allowed a sack between the two of them this season. They're number one in pass block grade, number three in run block grade, according to PFF. All really good numbers in this matchup between number one and number two on Sunday. Eagles and the 49ers at the link. He is John Kincaid, host of the John Kincaid Show on 97.5 the fanatic in Philadelphia joining Courtney Cronin and Randy Scott here on Canty and Carlin. John, thanks so much for the time. Yeah, I'm going to tell you it's 27-13, by the way. <laughs> okay, so, love the prediction. I was assumed 27-13 Eagles. Go alternate line, too. Go alternate line. <laughs> Push up that number. It'll be 27-13. And we'll talk to you guys before the Super Bowl. Oh, I love it. We will have you back here on that Friday before the Super Bowl <laughs> if the Eagles are indeed there. John, thanks so much. 
Eagles and the 49ers, followed by the Chiefs and the Bengals. A jam-packed championship weekend coming your way. Plenty more coverage to get into here on ESPN Radio. But we're going to take a step out of the playoffs to a team that's trying to figure out what it's doing at quarterback next year. Should the Jets go all in and sign Aaron Rodgers via a trade? Randy and I discuss next here on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. Well, if the Jets <laughs> don't get Aaron Rodgers, they've got an offensive coordinator who is not a very proven play caller in Nathaniel Hackett, who, as you heard Greeny say there, was hired yesterday. So you've got an offense without a quarterback right now, and the Jets in, I don't want to say it's scramble mode, Randy Scott, Courtney Cronin here on Canty and Carlin, but they're trying to figure out what they're doing for this offseason, knowing that the quarterback position is one they need to more than just shore up. I think that's putting it lightly. And it feels like they're hedging all of their bets, putting literally every one of their eggs, and we know eggs are expensive to buy right now, but they're putting them all (laughs) in the Aaron Rodgers basket. And I don't know. I feel like... This didn't work out for Denver last year when they tried to do the same thing. How are we so sure it's going to work out with the New York Jets? I, I, it's, it's not. I, it, how can you have any faith in Nathaniel Hackett? How? When you look at the splits between Aaron Rodgers' years and non-Aaron Rodgers' years, they are drastic. But he also had a younger Aaron Rodgers. He had a Devontae Adams funneling receiver with Aaron Rodgers. The talent was so much better in Green Bay and I get it. It's a logical it's a logical argument, right? It's hey, when you have better players, you have better talent, you're going to have a better offense, fine. Mm-hmm. But the offensive system is so important. We've seen it in the NFC. That's how San Francisco is where they are right now. It's their scheme. They were able to plug in Brock Purdy and just not miss a beat. And so when you look at Nathaniel Hackett, he had a quarterback in Russell Wilson. I'll stick up for him. You know, for as cringy as some of his social media is, Russell Wilson's not this bad of a quarterback. The system was that bad. I, I watch bad offensive systemic football. I'm a Raiders fan. Josh McDaniel's system is terrible. It made a a, a, a turnover-averse quarterback in Derek Carr into one of the most turnover-prone quarterbacks in the NFL. And now he's gone. So you, you can't take this version of Aaron Rodgers, who was a little more generous with the football in his own right this year, and that was outside of Hackett's system, and try to rekindle that magic in New York. it's the, the, the talent is not there around him. Brees Hall is still a year away from being the same running back that we saw who's tearing the league up. Yes, Garrett Wilson is great, but he's the only option. 
Oh, he, contraire. I think that they are actually in great position right now because let's look at the defense. Let's start there. This is a defense that's in a championship window right now. Like, you can win with this group. And that's what I think really grinded the gears of Robert Sala <laughs> this year, Randy, because uh-huh. he's like, man, you guys are wasting my window because <laughs> Zach Wilson starts out the season okay and then falls off a cliff and then they miss the playoffs. Then you look at what they do on offense. Offensive line, that's an area that was injured this year, but they addressed it in the draft. They've addressed it in previous years in free agency. That unit's good. Brees Hall, very good running back. Garrett Wilson, very good wide receiver. And, oh, by the way, if you want to continue to connect some of these dots here, Keith Carter is hired by the Jets just a couple hours before Nathaniel Hackett's hire becomes official as their run game coordinator and offensive line coach. He was with Matt LaFleur in Tennessee. He's running that same system that they're running up there right now in Green Bay with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. So I think all of these pieces line up for Aaron Rodgers to go to a place where he's happy with who's around him, who's calling plays, what the offense looks like, and also with the personnel. But does this mean that the Jets have to be all in on Aaron Rodgers? Rich Samini, ESPN Jets reporter, was on Candy and Carlin yesterday discussing what the Hackett edition means about getting number 12. Oh, I, I think there's definitely more. That it's not Aaron Rodgers or Bust. I think uh, there's other veterans on their list. Uh, Robert Sala said they're actually going to start meeting next week on that. Uh, he did come out today and said, he said, we're committed to finding a veteran quarterback, which is really the first time he said that so clearly, so concisely. He'd been hinting about it in recent weeks, but now he comes out and says that we're committed to getting a veteran quarterback. Obviously, the, the Rodgers speculation was already in, in full force before this move today, and now it'll become even that much more. So, yeah, it, it's going to make for some uh, several weeks of very interesting headlines and speculation because I know Hackett and Aaron Rodgers do have a very good relationship. Kenny and Carlin is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly $700 on average. Call or click today and find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. So you heard Rich Samini there say that Aaron Rodgers, it's not Aaron Rodgers or bust with the New York Jets. How can it not be, Randy? Like, who else are they going to get this offseason after they just made all of these moves? Like, remember, Robert Sala said that they interviewed over 15 candidates for this offensive coordinator position. They decided on Nathaniel Hackett, who we saw how that experiment went in Denver, trying to run that offense, a rhythm and timing offense with Russell Wilson, who is a quarterback that is so good getting outside the pocket and using his natural athleticism. Like, nothing computed. And now, (laughs) if you don't get Aaron Rodgers, are you trying to run it back with Mike White and potentially a quarterback competition with Zach Wilt? Like, what what are we doing here if you're the New York Jets if you don't get Rodgers? I, I I think that's your break glass in case of emergency. Yeah, is is the Mike White you know quarterback competition with with Zach Wilson? He has said Robert Sala has that they want to have a veteran quarterback. That could be Jimmy Garoppolo. That could be Geno Smith if the Seahawks don't lock him down. That could if you know tag him. That could be. You know, a pipe dream of Tom Brady. Although I, I, I also think these coaches in these front offices are so much more plugged in than we are, and I think they know what they're hearing from agents or otherwise, and they're mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, yeah, Brady's looking at private schools in Miami. Maybe he's going to to South Florida, as was the original plan a couple of years ago." And that's how the Dolphins got got docked for tampering. You know, that's why Stephen Ross was suspended uh, for so many games. Um, so I, I do think it's going to be a veteran. It could be Derek Carr, it could be Jimmy Garoppolo, it could be Geno. Could be 
somebody you know somebody who gets cut because a, a rookie you know it could be a rerun of, of Sam Darnold for all we know if if CJ Stroud goes to Carolina I, I don't know there's going to be movement come draft time and it could be someone who loses out on a quarterback competition i.e. what we're talking about with the 49ers if Brock Purdy keeps playing well yeah I just can't see it being anybody other than Rodgers this makes too much <laughs> sense he's followed Brett Favre's career trajectory every step of the way so he's probably going to go become a New York Jet then he's going to go become a Minnesota Viking, finish out his career there, uh, and follow the same career path as the Green Bay Packers eventually move on. Feels, though, a couple weeks removed from the Green Bay Packers ending their season that we at least know where Aaron Rodgers' mindset is at, is that he's willing to restructure his contract to go somewhere else, potentially, that the Packers have a big decision to make coming up soon. Straight ahead, plenty more playoff talk and what one coach said after being passed over for a job. Candy and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin Podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can watch and listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.